Hey everyone. Jurassic Park is a cautionary tale about the dangers of using dinosaurs for profit. It's made about $10 billion. <laughs> I'm Kellen Erskine. I'm a comic, a father, and the first time I read this book, I was 11, which I don't recommend because <laughs> it was also the first time that I read about a person who could feel their own intestines while they were being consumed <laughs> by a dinosaur. Quite the mile marker for any youth. <laughs> it literally went from like the Hardy Boys and the Secret of Silver Cave <laughs> to Nedry and the Secret of the Small Intestine. <laughs> and I'm David Vance. As a child, I asked a mall Santa for a custom made toy set where dinosaurs wear medieval armor and live in a castle. I'll let you guess how my Christmas morning went. Jurassic Park the book is about a theme park full of dinosaurs. Jurassic Park the movie explains where Mace Windu's arm ended up after Anakin chopped it off. <laughs> and this is the book pile. All right, we're doing a special deal today. If you rate and review the book pile and we become super rich, we'll use the revenue to buy an island and make clones of every size of Kellen, carnivores and herbivores that you can pay to come see. I'm already both right now. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I don't eat herbs. <laughs> a listener named The Other Blobfish says, I just finished Scott Adams' podcast and decided to check out this week's episode of The Book Pile while working remotely for State Farm just to hear both Adams and State Farm referenced within 30 seconds of one another. And if you want to know what any of that means, listen to our Atomic Habits episode. Russian Spy TK421 says, This podcast is literal genius. A great podcast to learn real-life lessons and have a great laugh. Finally, our next two books are New Moon and The Big Picture, The Fight for the Future of Movies. But that fight sounded scary, so I got out of it by shooting my own foot. I guess I don't get it. Why did you shoot your own foot? Oh, like a draft-dodging joke? Ah, uh, that'll resonate with all the cowards. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and without further ado, welcome to our five favorite lessons from Jurassic Park. All right, lesson one. Beware of drawing too broad a lesson. AKA, Jurassic Park is actually a really good business idea. So, people say Jurassic Park is a warning about the dangers of technology. Jurassic Park is a warning about a terribly run business. <laughs> so, look at this like a startup. If you spend millions of dollars on dinosaurs and zero dollars on tracking collars, that's on you. That doesn't mean dinosaurs is just a bad business model altogether. Another startup tip, maybe don't financially screw over the one guy who runs all the security in your park. That guy should probably have some equity. And if you're almost bankrupt because you made like 200 dinosaurs, you can start monetizing with like 20 and just scale up. Like, it's called a, a minimally viable product. Also, there's the fact dinosaurs are dangerous, but we spend our R&D money on way more dangerous things like nukes and nanobots and AI. Like, do you know why Australia and the Americas have no large animals? We killed them and we weren't even trying. <laughs> so for me, I feel like writing off dinosaur parks altogether is like saying social media sites are a bad business because Friendster failed. <laughs> Anyway, if you have the opportunity to invest in a Jurassic Park, you should definitely do it. <laughs> it's crazy that Michael Crichton makes an inadvertent prophecy in his book. So in the book, Dr. Hammond is actually like this evil big businessman. 
It's, mm-hmm. it's very different from the uh, misguided Santa Claus billionaire that he <laughs> is in the movie. He's very much like a Spielberg version of a character. That Santa would have made me the dinosaur castle kit. <laughs> But at one point in the book, Dr. Hammond says, like with dollar signs in his eyes, he's talking to his investors. He goes, and then there's the merchandising, the picture books, T-shirts, video games, caps, stuffed toys, comic books. And like, I have a Jurassic Park T-shirt. All of these things that he says, you can find on Amazon right now. (laughs) It's just insane. I mean, it didn't happen with any of his other books. Like, nobody's walking around with, like, a, you know, a sphere beanie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's rare for an author to execute verbatim the plan of his book villain, <laughs> with the exception of Adolf Hitler, who executed verbatim the plan of his villain, Adolf Hitler. One additional thing that I found when I was verifying that everything I just said was true, PS4 has a Lego Jurassic World game, which is bonkers, because that means it's a video game based off of a toy, based off of a sequel of a movie, based off a book. Based off of an extinct species. (laughs) Anyway, I just, I feel like sometimes humans like finding one example and drawing like huge conclusions or big rules from it. Like when people say Macbeth's problem was ambition, and I'm like, I think Macbeth's problem was the murders. (laughs) (laughs) Beyonce has ambition. She's doing fine. Macbeth did murders. That was the thing that doomed him. (laughs) All right. Lesson two. Bones don't tell us much. Maybe not maybe not your bones. Oh man, that's such a, a sad, dark joke you made about yourself. <laughs> Cause your bones are like you're not you don't have the type of bones you're like, there's a I can feel a monsoon coming in my knees. <laughs> it's more just like I can tell that I just ate a Snickers. <laughs> yeah, in the same way you can chop down a tree and tell from the rings when there was a hard winter. Paleontologists can look at my bones and be like, oh, that's when Crumble Cookie came to town. (laughs) I love that in every one of Michael Crichton's books, he's very much an advocate of good science. And there's always like a, a second layer to his novels. And one of the points that he was making in here is also one that he took advantage of, that it really is astounding how little information we can actually gather from an animal's skeleton. In the Jurassic Park book, Dr. Grant, who actually likes children in the book version, that was a a funny little (laughs) change that they made. Uh, And hates dinosaurs. (laughs) (laughs) He says, bones might tell you something about its height and weight and maybe a few clues about the diseases that affected bone. But a skeleton was a poor thing, really, from which to try and deduce the total behavior of an organism. So there's nothing you can tell about a skeleton, about its personality, its eating habits, outside texture, or even blood temperature. 
But this works for Michael Crichton to then invent fun things like a Dilophosaurus who spits poison or a Velociraptor that is clever <laughs> or even a Tyrannosaurus Rex that roars. That's just that's an invention. Like it looks right to us, but it's just as likely that a T-Rex couldn't make a sound at all or that it squawked like a giant parrot. Like we just <laughs> <laughs> By that point, it has to kill you just to save face. <laughs> Can you imagine that version of the movie where they're just driving around in jeeps for their lives if they also can't stop from laughing? <laughs> like, it can rotate its head 180 degrees. <laughs> so something that I found out recently when I was on a shoot for an ad about pancakes is that bears don't roar. I got to meet Bart the Bear. It's actually Bart the Bear 2. His dad was in a lot of movies, but he's this this bear that was it was rescued in Alaska and it's just been raised by these loving people in Heber City, Utah. So he's the bear that's in like the most- I can tell this is going to end well. <laughs> so he's he's the bear that's in the movie The Revenant. So, but bears don't <laughs> roar. Like in this pancake ad, we had a roar at a kid who's not eating a healthy breakfast. <laughs> but the way that you do that is that they just, the bear, he just does this cute trick where he gets like on all fours and his caretaker does this little hand signal and he just opens his mouth. He doesn't make a sound, not a peep. Wow. And then, you know, they add the roar later in post-production using wow. other animal sounds. But it's crazy that he's just this docile creature. When bears get angry, they just sort of grunt. But there's no, like, roar or scream or anything. That's crazy. Like, if we would have stayed on the shot in this pancake ad for a half a second more, you just would have seen an Oreo fly into his mouth. <laughs> It was just this trick. So for the T-Rex the in the Jurassic Park movie is a sound mixed from the combination of a baby elephant squeal, an alligator's gurgling, and a tiger's snarl. Wow. And the sound when it breathes is uh, a whale's blowhole. All right. So before I say the next lesson, when I was reading, I was amazed at how many scenes were taken straight from the book and put in the movie, which is really rare in action movies. Like we talked about in World War Z, they basically just bought the title, mm -hmm. which is so funny and disrespectful. <laughs> so the, the book has the part where the car falls through the trees and where they see the T-Rex in the rearview mirror and where Nedry gets blinded and eaten and just countless other iconic moments. And Kellen, you pointed out to me, Michael Crichton worked on the screenplay, so he kept in the good stuff. Yeah. And when I compare that to terrible adaptations with dumb things added for no reason, it brings me to my theory. Lesson three, sometimes higher-ups make changes not because the changes are essential, but so they can feel essential. <laughs> so... The opposite of Jurassic Park is Harry Potter, where suddenly Dumbledore will scream at Harry, or Harry and Hermione will dance in a tent, or Voldemort hugs Draco, or Harry almost kisses Voldemort. And I feel like someone was like, yeah, I just wanted to add my fingerprints to this story. <laughs> Kellen and I both do ads, and when you're at a writing retreat with a client, one frustrating thing is that sometimes the CFO will be like, I too am now an ad writer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I wish that people would take this example more seriously. 
Jurassic Park became the most successful movie of all time. And it was when the writer of the book was also one of two writers of the screenplay. So it's like, maybe this storyteller knows what they're doing. It is interesting to see that how many of the scenes were kept intact and how much of the story was kept intact, but that different people died. So the people who die in the book are, among others, Dr. Wu, Dr. Hammond, Ian Malcolm... But then the lawyer survives. (laughs) (laughs) The thing that most convinced me that higher-ups sometimes exert their power just because they have it, not because they have something to say, and I've already told this on this podcast, Gene Parrott, the former head writer of The Carol Burnett Show, he said they would always submit to the network their sketches, and the network would be like, you got to beat the final joke. And so it happened enough times that they just started writing a bad final joke that they didn't want to use. The network would reject it, and then they'd substitute it with the joke they actually wanted, and the network was like, yeah, that's great. And they're just like, oh, yeah, they just want to flex their muscles. So one decision that I know that Steven Spielberg made, and it's actually one of the only problems I have with the movie. It's one of my favorite movies. But speaking of coincidences, one part in the movie that is not at all in the book is the fact that like, the T-Rex saves the day. <laughs> so this happened during production. Steven Spielberg was so over the moon about how good the CGI, which was brand new at the time. He was so excited about it. He felt in his gut that the audience would want to see more of the Tyrannosaurus Rex. And so that's the only reason why the T-Rex just like randomly comes in at the end. It's really not a great story at that point. If you're looking at structure, this is the point where the hero, they overcome their weakness or they become selfless for the first time. All that happens is that Dr. Grant and Ellie and the kids brace themselves for death by the, you know, the velociraptors that are closing in. And then the T-Rex just walks in and is like, I'll, I'll help you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's Deus Ex CGI. <laughs> now get a, get a shot of me while this banner floats down. <laughs> It'd be like if Vader threw the Empire over that ledge, not to complete his arc, but because they had a cool CGI Vader. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I love this movie and that part still gives me goosebumps. But if you take a step back... Yeah, it is funny to to watch it with that context. So that decision was just made because Spielberg was like, people are going to want to see the coolest dinosaur again. (laughs) Do you ever think about how there are like five or six celebrity dinosaurs that everybody knows and thinks about when you talk about dinosaurs? Like the Ankylosaur? Wait, is that one of your celebrity dinosaurs? That's not in your top five. (laughs) Oh, that's my favorite. (laughs) I don't even... Isn't that the one that looks like a turtle that has, like, balls for a tail? (laughs) The Ankylosaurus genuinely is my favorite dinosaur, so I wasn't sure if I had told you that before. Wait, no, are you? (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. I was was completely making a joke about, like, a nerdy dinosaur reference. (laughs) That would be a no-one's top five. (laughs) (laughs) But when I say 
When I say dinosaur, what are the like five or six that come to your mind? Oh, for sure. Tyrannosaurus rex, Stegosaurus, Triceratops, Pterodactyl. Keep going. Just say two more. Okay. Uh, Brontosaurus and uh, Godzilla. Is that one? <laughs> <laughs> so not Velociraptor, huh? I would have said that. I was thinking like traditional from the books that I had growing up. Velociraptor, I don't know that it was in anyone's vocabulary until this movie came until out. Until Jurassic Park? Yeah. Yeah, it's probably true. So the, the six I think of are the five you just said, which I don't think pterodactyl is technically a dinosaur, but I think we all think of it as a dinosaur. And then Velociraptor. And somehow those are the ones we all know and think about, even though there were like thousands or millions of species or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I never thought of it through that lens before, but how fascinating to think if we could fast forward 80 million years into the future to that civilization, whatever they're teaching, you know, in their history of the ancient world class is that there were all sorts of animals back then. It was mostly bears, <laughs> woodpeckers, <laughs> and gophers. What was your favorite? <laughs> And if you're like a real nerd, you know maybe four more. <laughs> if you're if you're a ten year old, just wigging out about animals. <laughs> All right, lesson four: We demand a good reason, even for silly things. Matt Stone and Trey Parker said that uh, as they were developing South Park, they learned that most of the stories they experienced on TV and in film would have a sequence that went like. This thing happened, and then this thing happened, and then this thing happened. But to them, the, they found that the most effective stories were the ones that went, this thing happened, which caused this to happen, which caused mm -hmm. this to happen. So the latter one is, to me, why Jurassic Park makes for such a fun, believable story, separating it from the campy mess that it very easily could have been, and which all of the other Jurassic Park movies are. It's to me, it's this this simple point that it's not a storm that knocks out the power. It's not some dumb coincidence that you've seen in countless other action films. It's organic. It's nedgery. Mm -hmm. Like you referenced already, this is a business and it's a natural thing for employees to get fed up and go for a better offer somewhere else. And sometimes they steal some of the merchandise on their way out. So... <laughs> He turns off the power to the park, which allows the dinosaurs to then prove Ian Malcolm's chaos theory. So it's it's a much more complex but believable story because the reasons make sense. So th this is one of the reasons why Jurassic World is so disappointing to me. I think instead it could have been called a series of unfortunate coincidences. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it recently, but basically the story is... I've never seen it. Uh, it... The story is that the park manager's nephews happen to arrive on the day that the most dangerous dinosaur happens to escape. And it's for no good reason other than it's a really tricky dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> the movie did well commercially, but as far as like cultural impact, it still just it comes nowhere near. It's not something I'm going to revisit like I will Jurassic Park. It is ironic that the story is so linear, given that it's based on chaos theory, which basically believes in the butterfly effect and total volatility and how hard it is to predict cause and effect. <laughs> okay, yeah, this is not a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny that storytelling is such a vessel of meaning that 
even though coincidences happen in real life all the time, they are much less permitted within story. I read once that the rule is you can have one coincidence and that's it. <laughs> in Jurassic World, the coincidence is, hey, we own this valuable IP. <laughs> And it's crazy. I just watched the. You uh, remember? I, I I don't watch trailers to movies that I know that I respect and I'm going to see. So I just watched the trailer for the next Jurassic World movie, the third one that's coming out, <laughs> Jurassic World Dominion. Wait, can I guess? Yes. Things go awry. <laughs> well, it's based off of. It looks like dinosaurs basically take over the world <gasps> and put the humans in a park. <laughs> And then they are terrified as they're eaten by little children. <laughs> Speaking of children, the only reason why they're taking over the world is because in the end of the last terrible Jurassic World movie, they leave the decision up to a little girl as to whether or not to gas all of the dinosaurs, which are all in one enclosure at the end of the movie, or to <laughs> set them all free. She sets them those were the only options? Those were the two options. <laughs> she sets them free to kill millions of people. So that's <laughs> that's the big, that's the fun what if in that movie is, uh, hey, what if we let a child be in charge of a big red button? <laughs> I'm going to launch a ballot initiative that says, hey, should we take every serial killer in the country and torture them to death, or should we let them be kindergarten teachers? <laughs> That's my takeaway, is that you can tell a crazy story, and we'll go along with it just as long as you're giving us some good reasons. All right. Lesson five. You can make a boat, but you can't make the ocean. <laughs> also, I can't make a boat. <laughs> so, this is a quote from Ian Malcolm that doesn't apply to everyone. <laughs> but he says, your powers are much less than your dreams of reason would have you believe. So that's another one of the messages of the story is that nature is vastly more complicated than we can imagine and that we've never been able to maintain it, control it, or predict what it will do. All we can do is barely participate. And I won't go into full detail, but there are a couple of really good books about this, about how the, the mismanagement of Yellowstone Park over the last century. They take the wolves out and the elk take over and the elk get rid of the trees. So then the beavers leave and now the, there aren't dams to regulate the rivers. So then they like, they bring back in wolves and it's just been <laughs> mismanaged from the beginning. It sounds like a complicated Rube Goldberg machine meets if you give a mouse a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> if you give a national park 9,000 wolves. <laughs> if you give a wolf a bullet. <laughs> So I, I love the line from the movie from Ian Malcolm where he says, uh, I can't do a uh, Jeff Goldblum, but I can take my time the way that he does. Because <laughs> he goes, I, I feel like half the time he's just trying to remember what he's supposed to say. Yeah. Is he never off book? <laughs> he goes, uh uh, gee, the uh, the lack of humility before nature that's being displayed here uh, 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 staggers me. <laughs> so here's something else he says in the book, and this is fascinating to me. Imagine this, but as the story of Mark Zuckerberg 
predicted by Michael Crichton when Zuckerberg was just one year old. That's when this book came out. So Ian Malcolm says, Scientific power is like inherited wealth, attained without discipline. You read what others have done and you take the next step. You can do it very young, you can make progress very fast, cheat, lie, falsify. It doesn't matter to you or to your colleagues. No one has any standards. They're all trying to do the same thing, to do something big and to do it fast. You don't even know exactly what you've done, but you already have reported it, patented it, and sold it. End quote. The social network. This makes me look real bad for saying invest in Jurassic Park. (laughs) (laughs) All right, random facts. So by far the most important, if you haven't seen the Jurassic Park Melodica cover on YouTube, (laughs) add a little joy to your day by watching one of the funniest clips I've ever seen. It's almost 10 years old and it still gets me every time. that moment i won't give away any spoilers but i watched a clip of sam neill talking about how steven spielberg has actors do certain things while they are reacting to something and for him it was to take off his sunglasses while he's standing up in that jeep which and sam neill says it doesn't make sense (laughs) when you're looking into the sun to then take off your sunglasses (laughs) he says but he appreciates that from an actory standpoint you know correct it adds to the the emotion of the scene. Yeah. As a director, I have my actors take off their coat while walking out into the snow. (laughs) (laughs) So, speaking of evil Dr. Hammond, here's another example of his personality from the book. Quote, Face the facts, Henry. This isn't America. This isn't even Costa Rica. This is my island. I own it, and nothing's going to stop me from opening Jurassic Park to all the children of the world. He chuckled. Or at least to the rich ones. (laughs) It's just so bizarre to picture him as this guy. So I wish that I had come up with this, but I didn't. But I learned that one of the best symbolic devices in all of cinema happens in the movie on the helicopter flight on the way to Jurassic Park. So you remember that part when Grant like inexplicably can't figure out a seatbelt because he just has two of the same ends? I'm not making this up. In the industry, they're graphically referred to as the the female ends of the seatbelt. Um, <laughs> Were they foreshadowing? They absolutely were. And like I said, I wish that I had come up with this, but it was uh, something that I I read from a a different writer. But he ties them together. So in other words, like he finds a way to make it work. And it's just, it's such a subtle moment that most of us never noticed. So Ian Malcolm, the mathematician, keeps saying that he predicted all of this and he gloats that he knew the park would fall apart. And it's like, okay. If you're so smart about the future, why did you come to the island and die? (laughs) You couldn't have just done a phone call. It is funny, too, that moment in the book when Dr. Hammond is upset that Ian Malcolm is dying because it's just proving Malcolm's point. (laughs) (laughs) All right, to recap, our favorite lessons from Jurassic Park. One, beware of drawing too broad a lesson, a.k.a. Jurassic Park is actually a really good business idea. Two, bones don't tell us much. Three, sometimes higher-ups make changes, not because the changes are essential, but so they can feel essential. Four, we demand a good reason even for silly things. 
Five, you can make a boat, but you can't make the ocean. And six, Jurassic World is one big pile of... (laughs) 